And welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. It is show number 115, and happy to be back on with you. Sorry about the music here. I know so many people love that intro music. Uh, we had some technical difficulties, so there was no music today, so I apologize. But it is show one, 115, and happy to be on. We have an in-studio guest. Uh, he is a local school leader uh, from Delaware Valley School District, Dr. Pete Iapolo. We're going to bring Pete in in a minute. Uh, he's enthusiastic. He's a, a, a paisan from New York, like myself, uh, who's moved out here to the country now, and uh, we have a lot of similarities and I'm looking forward to talking with, with Pete in a moment. Um, this is Education Leadership and Beyond, and a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. And I would like to welcome on to the Education Podcast Network uh, group of ours, Dr. Molly Ness and her podcast, End Book Desserts. Uh, End Book Desserts is the brainchild of Dr. Molly Ness, who has had the great fortune of growing up in a literacy-rich community. I'm not gonna read her whole, whole intro, but check out her podcast, on Education Podcast Network. Again, shout out to Chris Nessie uh, for putting that together. And thank you for tuning in uh, to today's episode. Also want to give a shout out to our sponsor, uh, Rocketbook. This is the Andrew Murata Rocketbook. If you've watched before, you know it's a smart notebook. Uh, this is the Andrew Murata version. And I'm also uh, going to show Pete, this is how I kind of do my schedule, right? So how do you use Rocketbook? How does it work? It's a reusable notebook and you can put your schedule, you can put your stuff in here and then you can wipe it down when you're done. Um, but on the bottom of each page, there's some things here that you can mark and you could send it to your Google Drive. You could send it to email. You can uh, save these documents so you have them. So for us as uh, busy school leaders, we won't lose anything. Um, if you're interested, you can check out the Andrew Murata one on my website, andrewmurata.com. There is a 20% discount there, and I'd be happy to get this to you. This is going to Dr. I, so hopefully uh, this will help him uh, organize his days. So let's get started. Uh, those watching, right, principals have to make a lot of quick decisions. And we're just, you know, a week or so after the Super Bowl, and I remember watching the game and thinking about uh, different leadership things that, that happen, and they happen to us every day, and we have to respond with quick decisions. You can make mistakes when you go too fast, uh, but in thinking about the leadership of principals and, and my day-to-day -day workflow, making those quick decisions and processing the information, you know, those are challenges. And I watched that Super Bowl uh, uh, again a little over a week ago, and I was thinking about the officials and the decisions they have to make enforcing the rules, right? And then some of those things that happen it's not 100% clear, right? X happens and it's Y, right? It's very clear. And the whole audience knows, right? A pass interference or something like that. And they, you know, they know. But then sometimes it's iffy, right? And you can't tell and people debate. And the same things happens to us as school leaders making those decisions, right? And when the answer is not clear, what do you do? So just a couple of things. Number one, right? Don't make a, a, a decision too quick. Slow it down a little bit. I need a little think time. Second, right, take that think time. Usually the next day will provide some clarity. Some of those answers you don't get the second day. Um, but usually a day later, 24 hours later, you, you have some more clarity. Third, you ask. 
some people, right? You ask some people, uh, uh, what are their thoughts? You know, have they had this experience? Uh, my good friend, John Exantis, uh, superintendent of Valley Central, used to say, check in with the kitchen cabinet. And lastly, I, you know, I call it retrace your steps. Reread the situation or go back to where it occurred, if it was in a classroom or something, kind of replay it in your mind and you get to kind of experience it again. So those are just some decisions and, and uh, some things you could do when you have to make those decisions. Um, and the answer is not clear, right? Uh, take some think time on it, replay it, ask some people their opinions. And, uh, you know, usually that next day you can get some clarity. So just some tips to get us started in terms of making those hard decisions. But I talk too much. I want to bring in our guest here. Dr. Ryan, come on in and uh, and welcome to Education Leadership Beyond. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah. Nice to see you. Good Thanks to have you on. Me. Appreciate it. Let's get you some volume here. Awesome. Thank you. Get you all set. So this is Dr. Iapolo, everyone. Hello. Pete, you just heard me talking about making quick decisions, right? And it happens to us 10, 15 times a day. What are some things that you do uh, in terms of when people are coming at you and they want a quick response, what are some things that you do? I think for sure you gave good uh, recommendations. Uh, follow a lot of them actually closely. Uh, for the first thing I do is I try to gauge the situation to see if it is a safety concern for the child. Mm -hmm. uh, those are generally decisions that cause you to move more quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, but if it's not a situation where someone is going to be injured or potentially hurt, um, then you do take that step back when you can. And I do appreciate all the support of my teammates. So I'll go and, and make uh, some questions available to see. Um, it also helps to understand the policies and you know you want to stay within the parameters of those. Um, but you know, reflection afterwards to see what could have been done differently. Um, those are some of the steps. Yeah. And when that situation happens again, you remember that, right? Absolutely. That like, ah, I remember I left that out. And just okay. when you thought you knew every situation, a new situation comes about. Okay. Well, Pete, uh, give us a quick introduction. Uh, the, you know, the program is a national program, and not everyone, people here sure. locally know you. Sure. Uh, and scooting a little bit. I don't yeah, want you to gotcha, feel like man. you're falling gotcha. off the thing here. Uh, but give a quick introduction sure. to yourself and a little bit about your background. Sure. Uh, my name's Peter Iapolo. I grew up in Long Island, New York. In Forget a, about uh, it. In a town called West Babylon. And I went, uh, my undergraduate studies were at York College of Pennsylvania. I did some marketing there. Uh, decided I wanted to get into education thereafter. And after going back to Long Island and working in my parents' wholesale food company for about a year and a half, I had completed my studies to become a, a business education teacher. I did that at Nazareth uh, School District in Pennsylvania for uh, my first four years. I was fortunate to get uh, some administrative certification through uh, Dowling College, uh, excuse me, Stroudsburg University. And then I took on the role of an acting assistant principal for Nazareth. And when let me jump in. When you were teaching, were you thinking like, hey, I want to I want to expand. I want to do and I could take that next level. Was that something that you were thinking at that time? Yeah, definitely. Uh, how you can help to influence more people. Um, I've been very blessed uh, in my life with great parents. So and uh, being able to be helped by them just gives you that desire to want to help other people. Um, very fortunately, or for whatever reason in my life, I generally gravitate to the top of the clock. And I felt that uh, becoming a principal would be a, a great opportunity to have a little bit greater influence. Yeah. And did, you know, coming from Long Island, your time in York, did that help you kind of find this area? Like, how did you wind up in the Milford, Wall, and Paul Pack area? Yeah. 
Um, ultimately, going out to York was an eye-opener for me because it's a little bit different, a little more rural, obviously, than mm -hmm. Long Island. But what I do think, though, was helpful in slowing my pace of life down. Uh, I know being on the island is a little bit of, of a rat race at times. Mm. Uh, so having the experience at York um, got me, again, slowed down, and I became familiar with this area as uh, my wife, my current wife, Tina, uh, was a resident in this area. So she was out at York, and we were together. Okay. And I decided to make the move. Wow. To Pennsylvania, so yeah. it's been about almost 27, 28 years. Wow, um, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, Delaware Valley, and then Dr. I is actually my daughter's program. She might be watching, yeah. uh, program principal, uh, and hopefully she's watching live. Uh, and if you are watching live, I see there's a number of viewers. Please leave us a a comment or or question. Uh, my number one fan is watching. Hi, mom. <laughs> this is Claire's principal here. Nice to meet uh, you. So we'll be on our best <laughs> behavior. So. Um, Pete, you spent a lot of time at the high school uh, as an assistant principal and then were able to uh, become the, the middle school principal. What were some adjustments that you made in, in those different roles? You're dealing with different ages and you're in a different role. Sure. What were some things that you adjusted to? I guess probably the biggest thing is the student maturity level and just some of the dialogue and some of the conversations that you would be accustomed to having with some of the older children um, were clearly different when you got to the younger ages. Yeah. Uh, what I find is, is I enjoy the younger ages because they are still willing to laugh at some of my foolishness. Um, whereas I think uh, today's biggest challenge for me would have been dealing with some of the technology that's been introduced into the uh, world since moving to the middle school. Mm -hmm. We don't generally tend to have that many disruptions due to the technology. And I think more so at the older ages, uh, it's that would probably present the greatest challenge. Yeah. And... I find your kids are a little bit older than mine. Is it is it me, Pete? As a, uh, my kids in middle school now, but the stuff they're being exposed to is younger and younger. Out, 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 yes, um, yeah. both on the academic level, but clearly also on the social level. Yeah, like dating and boyfriend girlfriend stuff. Like yeah, even more. Just you know, you don't have to have that physical contact to be close to someone on the technology. Yeah. So as parents, you don't get to see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so it's a little bit of an alarming situation there. But uh, and you have a during the day, the kid's phone has to be locked up, right? In our building, yeah. phones are to be off and away. Yes. So how much battle do you have with parents? Mike, I need to get in touch with my kid. And I, they, I'm telling my kid to keep their phone because I need to get in touch with them. Do you get that? In the rarest occasion, I think most of the people in the community are very supportive of what we're trying to do. Um, in the rare instance, you know, just have to remind someone that they don't have, I don't have permission to give people permission to break the rules. Yeah. They don't either. Uh, we make our office available. If a kid needs to use the phone, even their own personal cell phone, all they have to do is ask. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky thing, the technology. <laughs> Pete's got some uh, uh, people here. Who's this Rainy? Who's Rainy? Uh, Rainy is my sister Lorraine okay. down in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, So Lorraine, thanks for chiming in here and getting on. It's nice to see. That Love you and I miss you. Cool. Very cool. That's the power of social media. That's here. it. Um, People look at middle school and like, oh, my God, like middle school. It's like, you know, there's all these books and crazy you know, things like <laughs> Give us some words that, like, what is a typical day? Give us some, some, you know, one or two words to describe it. Like if I said, Pete, you know, give me one or two words. Energetic, because that's what the students bring, a lot of energy. 
um, sometimes some disorganization in a lot of the children. So you're always working to try to make sure that they're organized and, and know where they're supposed to be headed. Um, but fun. The kids are fun, uh, very impressionable, uh, very genuine. And in our community, we're very blessed, I think, uh, between our elementary schools and also the homes in the community. Uh, our middle school is receiving outstanding children. So I am the one that's blessed to go to work. Yeah. And how much growing up advice do you give them? Like, I can't, I look at the kids now, I'm like, did I not tie my shoes when I was that age? <laughs> like, do the kids not tie their shoes anymore? Like, I'm not tying shoes at, at my school, at the high school level. But like the amount of kids, I, I just can't, you know, and like how much of that do you like talk to them about? Interestingly, in the day, uh, we have a bell system. So when the bell goes off, it, we're like Pavlovian dogs. We go to the hallways. We're monitoring, supervising. Um, it's funny because there are kids that walk with ties, uh, shoes that are untied. And I remind them of the safety concerns. I don't want to see them being tripped or tripping another student. I have seen someone fall into a table in the cafeteria. Yeah. So from that perspective, you, you just want to keep everybody safe. And it doesn't happen too often, but it's fun, you know, just to keep them in line, get them back in check. Yeah. Yeah. And you have three years with them. And uh, you got a lot of fans here, Pete. You got people jumping on from all over. <laughs> Your paisans from I Long appreciate Island. it. I appreciate yeah. it. This yeah, is great. It's a good group. Um, and, and Pete, how about, again, this community? You've had you've been a long time, Delaware Valley. The safety of the kids, you mentioned that right away. And there's unfortunately been so many um, instances of, of violence in the country, right? Like how, you as the school leader, how do you make sure that the kids are not petrified, but they also know about lockdowns and things like that? Do you have those conversations with the kids? Well, we have practice drills uh, each month uh, for sure. Uh, you, you don't want to ever make too big of a situation bigger than it is. So, again, you have to always, you know, scan the situation and how you approach it with it, you know, dealing with the kids. If it's an emergency and it's a genuine emergency, you're going to move them along. Yeah. Um, but you try not to make too much paranoia at all. Uh, you know, for the most part, uh, it's an organization. People have had the practice. And, again, I have a great team. Yeah. So you just deploy your resources and Does it, and you have a police officer in your yeah, building. Tell me about your relationship and your direction with him. Like, yeah. are there things that you need to specifically, hey, you know, we heard this or do you have debriefings with that the gentleman every day? Yeah. Chief Mowgli, we have the opportunity to speak on a regular basis. He's an outstanding man and an officer, and he clearly is interested in protecting the safety and welfare of the children. And uh, so we talk often. And Mark is very uh, influential in sharing uh, new new trainings that he is exposed to. He helps our staff yeah. uh, become prepared in case there's armed intruders. Um, he will show us uh, differing paraphernalia and differing ills that children are being exposed to um, because that's happening at paces faster than I can keep up with. Yeah. So when Mark shows you something that a kid might be um, vaping from or holding you know, paraphernalia, uh, you're paying attention. I'm very fortunate uh, at the middle school level. I would never be naive to think that kids aren't breaking rules and doing foolish things. Uh, but historically, our kids have done a really nice job upholding policy and, and not getting involved in those things. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the culture you're creating. And one of the things, you know, I got some inside information, <laughs> you know, uh, you're not afraid to act silly, Pete. You're no. not afraid to sing or dance. Tell me about that side of yourself, because you got to be the leader, right? You, you, you got the great suit on, your chest back, you know, you want to show strength. 
but you're also not afraid to act silly and laugh with the kids. Tell me about that uh, in yourself. Sure. I, I think with age comes uh, wisdom, and I've always been a pretty confident person. I do care what people think and say, but I don't generally care too much. Um, I know there's a boundary of what's appropriate and what's not, so just balancing and staying on the appropriate side. Uh, but the key to this profession is connectivity. And in order to connect with the children, it's important, I think, that they do see those sides. Um, that is not someone who's always regimented, always to the rules. And I think that's where some of the experience of being the principal, but as well as having the longevity in the career at this point, and the age is slowing me down and t you know there's more than one way to skin a cat yeah so to yeah. say i mean it's it's not uh goofy too, comes easy well, they, and it's like, <laughs> goofy comes easy. Dad, you gotta <laughs> believe what mr Iapolo did what did he do today yeah he was singing oh i don't he mind took the mic and <laughs> i only feel badly for the people that are hearing it and looking at me <laughs> that that is great that you can do that Pete. um you know and you're able to kind of wear your emotions there and have some funs with the uh with the kids you know especially at that age right because they, they're kids right keep it real yeah that's great thanks pete uh delaware valley's got a great reputation you know tell me about some of the things that you're proud of uh, as principal of the middle school not only for the school mm -hmm. but you yourself you've been at the homes like what are some celebrations that you yeah. want to share Every day is a celebration, honestly. I'm very privileged to be there. But over the course of time, um, one of the biggest accomplishments or the largest accomplishment was back in 2010, the Delaware Valley Middle School won the National Blue Ribbon of School Excellence. Uh, that's something that our team is very proud of and our district uh, because, again, it wasn't just a one-location uh, success story. These are things that built within homes and in the community yeah. and within our elementary schools. And then, you know, I just had the right players and the right students and the right opportunity, and we were able to get things done uh, to where we were recognized on that national level. Um, what, are, what are some of the things at Blue Ribbon, like you have to have X? Like what are some of the categories that yeah we definitely needed to have a really solid student academic portfolio i know the advent of having uh, world languages helped us uh, as far as we were school prior to winning we were successful with the academics so other schools would come to kind of take a look at our schools so your community outreach was something uh, that was considered yeah. the application process was a very large endeavor and what I did is immediately after the nomination, I reached out to a school in California and one in Florida, mm -hmm. and I reached out to their principals to congratulate them on their success and then to ask them to send me everything that they did uh, so that I could help with the application process. Wow. And then I brought the team in and brought each of the components to the departments and asked them to really put in their words uh, the answers and we packaged it together and uh, got lucky. Yeah. Well, I don't think luck had anything to do with it. A lot of hard work, right? They say about the hard work. people uh, that work the hardest are the luckiest, <laughs> you know. Um, I mean, that's great. And, the, 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 you know, the banner's in the school, and it's 10 years later. What would you say 10 years later, um, has the school grown? What are some things that you've added to those great things that, that got you that award? All right, so in the past couple of years, we brought on a different level of our science program so that students in seventh and eighth would have an opportunity to take an honors level course as well as the on-level course. Uh, we did the project this year and got the science project. <laughs> One of the things that I think I'm pleased about is uh, we brought in the National Junior Honor Society. And that was uh, actually a couple of parents uh, 
they moved into the district. They have exceptional children. And they had said, you know, Pete, do you have this in our schools? And we didn't. And I had had the opportunity to see my own children's program down in Wall and Paul Pack mm -hmm. and just felt that the timing was right. Yeah. And uh, working with the other middle school and a couple of really good advisors, uh, we were able to bring that on. This was the second year uh, of that program. So really pleased about that. And then our kids do a lot of community programs, whether it be food drives, helping out with some of the local agencies, making ribbons, uh, going to the convalescent home, inviting our veterans in. Um, that stuff I get emotional about. And I don't want to get emotional yeah. on your show. The breakfast is. <laughs> oh, that's uh, a yeah, fun time. Yeah, also. My father-in-law has been in there. <laughs> yeah, Grandparents' Day is the highlight of the year for me. And every person on the planet should get the privilege of seeing 200 grandparents yeah. connect with their grandchildren. It's exceptional. Yeah. And, and it's been great uh, as a parent here. I didn't realize the National Junior Honor Society was only in second year, but being on the receiving end of that, it was a great ceremony and a great honor for our daughter. And um, it's been great. Pete, another thing for you personally, you know, you got your doctorate, Dr. I, <laughs> and it sounds good. Tell me about that journey because that's a big commitment. Yeah, that was an interesting journey. I had, uh, I started out at Marywood pursuing it. Um, I had Angelina my, was my youngest. She's my oldest, obviously, now. Um, she was about three years old the first night of class. And when she said that from our porch, Da, you think they will let you out early so you can come home and play? I recognized that the next couple of years, it probably wasn't going to happen. So I walked away from it, then got back into it. I had just assumed the role of principal of the building. I was the wellness chairperson for the school district. I was the president of the local Pike United Way. And I was going for this again. And then unfortunately, the one blemish we have in our lives is Tina lost, my wife Tina lost her husband, Jim. I mean, her father, Jim. So that's about 12 or 13 years ago. Mm. Um, so at that point, again, I stepped away from Marywood a second time, swearing to never go back. And then a friend of mine, Vivian Bruno, one of our social workers, about eight years removed, said, Peter, are you going to ever go back? And I said, no way. And then she uttered the words that crushed me when she said, you know, your father would be very proud of you. And from that night on, I actually drove back to Marywood to get my transcripts. I'm not recognizing I wanted to go back to Marywood or realizing there I knew a couple of people that took an online program. So I started to do some homework and I spoke to a woman at Capella University, uh, who was very accommodating, a very professional, and got me quickly hooked back up in their track in about uh, three years after that, three and a half years after that, the late nights, the early mornings, the busy weekends. Um, I was able to, with a lot of help, uh, complete the work. I uh, owe a shout out to my librarian, Ms. Shalaskis. Uh, she was an exceptional right. proofreader. She had to take some that. garbled Jesus. words yeah. <laughs> and make them uh, intelligible. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, that's cool. And, and when did you actually get it? How, how? I ended up uh, last June. So it was June of 2018. Wow. Um, it was a great feeling. Yeah. And I'm proud of it uh, because it was one of the last two remaining goals that I had set for myself. Um, so, you know, Micah Sweeney is a teacher in our building and they're bouncing out, you know, always conversing with people. And he said, Pete, eat the elephant one bite at a time. Mm -hmm. And that's always stuck with me. And, and then my father took my tie one time because I was going to quit. I wasn't going to finish. And he said, lay your tie out and show me where you are on your journey. 
and I happen to be in the final 10%. And he said, take a look back and take a look forward. Enough's enough. Wow. Go finish. So I was able wow. to uh, press ahead. And it's just yeah. perseverance. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, it's not an intellectual thing. It's, it's just work. a matter yeah. of the heart. And did you have to do a dissertation? On um, this program, I was able to, I have an EDD, not a PhD. Okay. Um, a little bit different for me was I was able to write a pretty extensive paper. My subject matter was mentoring. And then I actually crafted a capstone project okay. um, that if interested, our district could adopt uh, for administrators. Yeah. Um, because very often, as you know, uh, when I did my homework with administrators, it's kind of sink or swim. Yeah. You go from the classroom and then you go into the throes of administration in my experience at Nazareth and Pleasant Valley and at DV, there was no set mentor. Yeah. So having a, a lot of wonderful people in my life to help me along, I recognize the value of that. And that's what kind of got me choosing that topic. Yeah. And you had some mentors in your life. Yep. You know, your parents, you shared a little bit about, uh, you know, Mike Lassico is former, you know. So what what would you <laughs> say, Pete, after doing the project and then having people in your life that, that led you and showed you? What would you say are some of the most important components of being that mentor for that new administrator or that new teacher? The value of it, you know, for one is when you're doing the job for a few years, you're not necessarily uh, you're getting away from some things maybe that you had practiced earlier on in your career. When you go into the role of a mentor, you're working with someone who is learning all of those things. Mm -hmm. So they're introducing you to their new experiences with technology the changing society and laws, but then you're also going back to your roots and you're taking back and remembering the things that made you successful as a person and, and that hopefully you're sharing. So the value of the mentoring becomes a two-way proposition and it's actually three-way because it helps the organization as well. Mm -hmm. um, but when you know, you're getting that refreshed learning, they're getting that comfort and that support and it's just a, a really feel-good opportunity. Yeah. yeah, that's a great topic. And, uh, Thanks. You know, you mentioned slowing down a few times. Moving to Pennsylvania slowed you down. Experiences slowed you down. And I've learned that, too, in talking with some younger people. My my first reaction is, well, do it this way. <laughs> Why didn't you do that? And it's like you want to let them kind of figure it out and maybe in a more gentle way. Maybe try this. Well, you know. Uh, and that you know, I'm working on slowing down too. <laughs> two true. Italian guys it's from, true. from two different <laughs> islands, you know. So, sure. but it's true, yeah. But that's a great topic, and specifically, Pete. Uh, you know, your parents. I know been a big impact on on your life. That real, you know. Tell me about that relationship. That the things that you've taken into your role as principal, you know, from your parents. Well, uh, for one, I'm blessed to still have them both alive, and my mother's going to be celebrating her birthday in a few days, so I'm excited for her. Um, but, the, <laughs> uh, but the lessons right from the grassroots of, you know, coming up as a young child, uh, we didn't have a lot as a family. So I learned budgeting very, very well from my mom and watching her literally take the envelopes mm. and, and where they're going to put the money to make you get through. And, you know, the sacrifices that they have made for my sister and I, um, you know, you see what they were willing to give up to ensure that we had. Uh, when when others did as well, mm -hmm. they wanted us to. So, um, gosh, the work ethic, uh, the respect, uh, punctuality, uh, those are those are values that I can take from both my mother and my father. Yeah. And I just think 
you know, I'm so blessed to still have them. I'm actually, sometimes my wife gets angered with me uh, because I like to go after work and have a cup of coffee with my mom and dad. Did they move up this way? They then? moved up probably about 18 years ago. Oh, nice. uh, so they're next door. And I go home and like to, you know, catch up, see how they're doing. My aunt's there. Uh, so they moved I, up after you. Yeah. Oh, nice. So it's been great for our children. Yeah. And I just have to be conscientious to make sure I'm paying time to my wife as well. Yeah. yeah. Happy wife, happy I, life. I'm not kidding. Uh, so many awesome. people watching live today, and we appreciate If you have a question uh, uh, for us, please put it on, and we'll try to get to it. Pete, we talked a little off air. You know, you're in great shape. You're, you're a young guy. Um, you have active children. We're busy, right? Tell me some things that you do to sharpen your saw, to keep you fresh, that you do for yourself. Sure. Um, I like to read a lot. Uh, not so much uh, from books necessarily. I do read some books, but I do uh, peruse often a lot of online material. I call myself more of a skimmer than probably a reader, but I consume a voracious amount of information. So that from a mental perspective, I hope is, or a brain power perspective, I hope is working. And then I think about longevity of life. I don't ever want to leave, especially with all the opportunities coming down the road. Uh, so to try to take a physical approach and do some working out in the morning, trying to balance that diet as best as possible. And what I found is the exercise is a two-way byproduct for the physical piece, but I think even maybe more importantly, Andrew, the mental piece. Uh, my positivity is off the charts uh, when those endorphins are popping. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. And it goes fast, and you got to take Oof. care of yourself and uh, recharge. And again, your kids, so talented kids, go playing at the <laughs> college. His daughter walked on softball and hostages. It's fantastic. Yeah. We're very blessed with the kids. Um, you know, and, and people are very, very nice in the words that they share about my children. And that is always very touching to me. Um, they're wonderful kids, uh, they make excellent decisions. And it took a village of people. Like, you know, like I laugh, and I, the number of people involved in my kid's life to make them who they are. You know, when I'm complimenting someone, I don't think they necessarily recognize how important it was to be with my mom and dad and my and Tina's parents when the map came out and they knew their 50 states by the time they were this and their multiplication and the math and you know, to have our bus drivers, our cafeteria workers, our teachers, our administrators at Paw Pack, our friends, uh, you know, there are so many wonderful families and we just happen to be fortunate to gravitate to them. And uh, we hope as a family, we hold minimally par for the community and what we try to give back. And uh, my children are gonna take my wife and I, God willing, on a ride that I can wait for, but I can't wait for, because <laughs> it started already. Boca, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, you know, you're, you're split between two communities, right? Well, Paul Pack's, you know, 30, 40 minutes from here, another great community. You know, what do you do on that drive each day? Do you have a, a, a routine that you listen to podcasts or things like that? What do you what do? you do? I, I, I think about the word reflection. Mm. And often uh, some people maybe don't reflect. The one thing about a 40-minute ride each way is it gives you time to reflect, and often those reflection points are about the day's activities. Um, and then I try to close and compartmentalize that part of the day. So then yeah. I get to go home and be dad. Um, but between running, I showed you my yards, three acres. That's a lot of mowing. 
So there's always a constant reflection. And with that age and with that wisdom, you know, I talk, you know, what I want to do is I want to be a better father, a better husband, a better educator, a better person. Yeah. Because as the time goes through that hourglass, um, you, I, I tend to reflect a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And you look back, right? You want to, you know, and, and you and I have a lot of same mentalities of uh, that drive to constantly improve and not rest where yeah, you're I at. I agree with that. Yeah. I look up yeah. to you. Yeah. I, want that. <laughs> I do, man. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Pete, was there anything else? Again, you got half your kids, yeah. half of Long Island and, and Long Portback's watching here. But, That's you know, was there anything else before we get to rapid fire that you, you wanted to share? Was there something that you wanted me to ask that, that I didn't? You know, probably, you know, you asked about a couple of quotes. Um, you know, I think back over the last couple of weeks, uh, Neil Pert is the, used to be the drummer for Rush, best in the world. And then Kobe Bryant, mm. one of the best in the world. Uh, they both perished in the last couple of weeks. Weeks, So that thought of mortality, I couldn't help but creep in. But when I think about Kobe and I think about Tiger Woods and I think more importantly about Michael Jordan, you know, people like that and that drive, those are influential people in my life that I think that killer instinct that always be your best. Um, I think of those individuals whenever I'm in a competition or I'm building and preparing for something, because I think the more you put towards, you know, the more it gets focused, the more it gets accomplished. Um, so those are important people. Uh, and those one important quote, I actually took probably the most important quote I took as an educator and as came from a, Dr. Judy Smith was a professor at East Stroudsburg University. And this was a long time ago. Uh, but she said, Pete, when you enter this profession, if you make every decision for the betterment of children, you are never going to be wrong. So I take great pride in following those words religiously. I don't worry about anything other than that component, because in this field, it's going to be very difficult to argue me wrong when I'm demonstrating that the child comes first. I'll tell people often, you know, we don't make Toyotas. So if this is a Toyota factory and today your quote is 11 and you only make eight, I can live with that. Yeah. Kids don't get that second opportunity for lost time. So that's one piece that quote was yeah. always stayed with me. You had some powerful uh, things. That your daughter telling you, Daddy, will you be home? Oh, so it's <laughs> people who know me, uh, you know, I'm, a, I, I'm an emotional person. Yeah. I can get choked up very quickly and... I'm a passionate person. I'm a truthful person, and I speak from the heart. But and kudos to you. You those are paradigm shifts. You know those are paradigm shifts. You talked about going to York, and I, uh, when I was in North Carolina, I'll never forget paradigm shift. We pull up to my friend's house, leaves the key in the ignition, and I said, "Hey man, <laughs> hey man, you left the key in the ignition." He goes, "Yeah, I know." I said, "Well, what are you doing?" He says, "That's where I leave the key." I said, "Why would you leave your key in the ignition?" And again, paradigm shift. His answer was. Why not? And I said in that moment right there, I want to live in a place that you could do it. So don't go steal my car because the <laughs> key is in Don't it. check my car. <laughs> don't, don't, don't take it. So that's funny. Pete, we are running out of time. Yeah, whatever uh, I can we do. we got to get to uh, rapid fire. We're going to get back to Long Island pace here. Let's we're do gonna, it. We're going to upgrade. So, All right. Uh, but this has been fun. Um, Thank you. I know you mentioned about not reading books, more, no. more articles and things, but how about the last book you read? Um, the Santa Claus uh, leadership book I read, Leadership uh -huh. Secrets of Santa Claus. I read it around Christmas time. 
very influential uh, yeah, book. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, well, I'll jump in. I'm going to recommend my buddy's book, Evan Rob, The Ten Minute Principle. Okay. Your pace and this and your thing, you know, uh, it just it's about compartmentalizing the day. And yeah. uh, that, I would recommend that to you. But keep going. Yeah. Last movie you saw. Don't really go to the movies very much, but I'll give you my favorite movie is The Towering Inferno. That's old. It's an old right? school yeah, movie. Erwin yeah. Allen. It's got a lot of great cast of characters. Okay. Tina liked your answer. That <laughs> uh, must be the car. Uh, favorite place to travel? Uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. You like that? Without question. You like the action? I either want to die on the top of Caesar's Palace or I want to die in my backyard with a ball field. What's your game? What's um, your... I actually go out there and do quite a bit of dancing. I go out and listen to the electronic music and ah. go from go until 5 in the morning. That's cool. Yeah, Good I live for, for that. Live yeah. for the drop. And now they'll have the football out there. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's something about flying oh. in there, too. Day or night, doesn't get. There's never a dull yeah. moment out in Las Vegas, baby. And I like the the old Vegas. Right? Yeah, I've been out there six times, and the, the last time I went out was with uh, my fraternity brothers. In fact, I was out there this time last year with thirty with fifteen of my fraternity brothers. Watch out! And I went out uh, to old Vegas for the first time, and I'm really looking forward to taking Tina to go out. Yeah. But they zip line across the whole thing, yeah. and there's three tracks. So if God's going to allow me, I envision my three children zip lining above Tina and I <laughs> as we're holding each other <laughs> in a cold frosty. God, Vegas, what's happening here? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Pete, you talked about a lot of passions. What, what is something that really motivates you? Uh, my children and the desire to be around to follow my children and to see the success. Um, that's what motivates me in the area of the health, uh, momentum, physical, mental, yeah. um, just really, they bring a lot of joy. So good for you. How about something that gets under your skin, a pet peeve of yours? Ooh, Tina would tell you I probably have too many of those. I have about a dozen, uh, honestly. Um, in, from a school perspective. Give me the top three. Yeah, from a school perspective, I don't like extraneous, unnecessary loud noises because there's just too much going on. Yeah. And I don't like loud chewers, and I don't like <laughs> snores. Whoa. Tina falls in uh, that category? No, no way. No way. <laughs> Yeah, because you, well, I could get you probably the sleep, right? It's it, going to affect your sleep. It's weird. I, I have a little bit of a noise disorder. I think the correct term is mesomophenia. But for whatever reason, the tapping of the pencil, the chewing of the gum, those little noises, they have a way of tweaking me. In fact, if you talked to Tina's sisters and brother, they would say, oh, my God, growing up, we couldn't even eat cereal with you in the room. Um, today, even if my family's enjoying a really a whole big hot bowl of soup, <laughs> I need to go in the other room because of the slurping, and it bothers them. And I try to say, I'm leaving. Your sister <laughs> the gum. I don't know if wasn't chewing any gum. Oh, That's funny. That's funny. Thanks. Well, good for you for being honest. <laughs> yeah. My wife and I constantly in the kitchen were like, lower the volume, please. Can you lower the volume? You're right next to me, like, you know. That's funny. That's funny, yeah. Oh my God, you, you, you whole <laughs> half a Long Island's watching. They'll be busting out, guys. If you, if you do know Pete and you're watching, why don't you list some more things? <laughs> we only got to three. Yeah, so. um, something about Pete Iapolo that people do not know about. 
well, a few people would know this just in conversation and sharing the pictures, but I'll share it with you since yeah, you took an cool. active interest. That was cool. uh, prior to having children, um, I, I ended up building a wiffle ball stadium in my backyard. We're blessed. We have about three acres. Um, it looks a lot like um, the bleachers would look in the corner, about 60-foot trees, 70-foot trees around. It was a perfect spot uh, where I said, you know, this would be a great place for a stadium. So I was at the right distance and 100 foot for the fences, and I began construction. And it's nothing too elaborate, but it's a lot of fun. It's grown each of the last 20 years. I shared with you the biggest mistake was not taking the pen, the Sharpie, and having every individual player yeah. uh, to ever play on it come and sign their name because there are some people that have come once. There are some that come regularly. Uh, but it's always been a lot of fun. Yeah. That and a GoPro camera, because I can make some great catches. I would tell you to start it. Yeah, start correct. It. Don't want you know you didn't do it, but start 2020. Boom, get the you know. Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, that's a cool thing. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, little Yankee Stadium. Nice. <laughs> These guys are out there a little bit playing. Yep. Well, I'm sure that cost you more than a hundred bucks. But how about the mm -hmm. best purchase under a hundred dollars that has had a great impact on your life? This is an interesting question. You know, I I think for me, honestly. It ended up being a pair of sneakers because those sneakers, uh, what they did was they helped to catapult me into running. And I was a biker, an avid uh, mountain biker, street biker in college, hated running, played goalie because I hated running. And then all of a sudden decided I was going to start to run. And I remembered running in the middle school hallway the first time running a half a mile and being very gassed. But then over the, just that persistence, um, that opportunity to reflect, it grew to a 16 mile was the most I've ever run. And I don't run very avidly now. I'm trying to do different things uh, physically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the sneakers were the best investment in my cool. life. Out What's, your brand? What's your brand? What's um, your brand? Asics. Are you Asics? Yeah. Okay. Nike's a little too firm in, yeah. in, the, in the sides. Uh, the Asics, right price point, right fit. I'm a new balance guy. But right. I, and I would recommend, again, uh, even uh, uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Is a great story. Yeah, yeah. For any runners okay. out there, it's a great story. It's the story of how we started Nike. And yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool story. But good for you. Thanks. Um, biggest difference from Long Island to Northeast Pennsylvania. Um, I would just think that uh, people's general personality and pace. I think Long Island's going to force you a little bit to be more assertive if you're looking to get the things out of life that are available. Whereas here, I think people are a little bit more laid back um, in the pace. And so for me, I, I would never trade being raised where I was raised, but I also couldn't be any happier being in Pennsylvania because it's that balance, that little bit of yin, yin and yang. You got the lake life up there. That's it. Yeah, well, poor pack. Biggest difference between high schoolers and middle schoolers? Just the general maturity levels and some of the subject matter that you would carry a conversation. I remembered going back to proms in the high school I love to dance, as I mentioned. So my wife is not a big dancer, but I got the privilege of taking my wife to about 10 proms. Um, so I'll, not her not dancing, but wanting to dance, I felt comfortable dancing with age-leveled kids. The first time I go to the middle school, we have a dance. All of a sudden, I'm surrounded by a host of kids, and it wasn't as so much fun. It was more like, wait a second, this could be like ick. <laughs> don't touch don't touch me um, and lower your volume <laughs> <laughs> so it's just that uh some of those things and they don't dance as well as the high schoolers no 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 
I'm going to try to cue this music yeah. up here, Pete. I, we had technical difficulties. Hopefully, we can get it going again. Yeah. Um, Pete, I believe that we all have a book in us, especially educators. Mm -hmm. What uh, What would be the title of your book? It's interesting you say that because I have a book in progress that's probably about 13 years in the making. Okay. Um, it spawned from riding the mower in Yankee Corner and mm -hmm. coming up with all these exotic chapters and writing them down on an envelope that I still look at. And I've written a couple of chapters. Uh, but the title of the book would be called uh, Taking Off the Rose-Colored Glasses. And that would be uh, a, a real live, up close and personal experience about public education, where it stands, what the experience has been, where I think it could be improved upon. Now, my sister Lorraine happens to be an exceptional artist. Back in the day, I thought that she would draw the cover. Uh, my daughter, Anastasia, is a pretty good artist. Mm. So I think, Lorraine, I'm going to have to slight you on the book cover. Rainy, you're getting I'm... fired. You just got fired here on Education Leadership. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm giving it to Anastasia. Whoa. <laughs> well, cool. Take off the rose colored vest. And if we were going to do a, a, a different style out of the realm of education, I would do one about the fraternity life called Breaking the Fraternal Oath. And that one I would market towards parents who didn't want their kids, who wanted to know what their kids were doing in school. Mm. And I would market it to kids so that they know what they shouldn't be doing in school. Interesting. Well, mm. I would challenge you to write the first one. I don't know about the second one, but uh, you, you should do it. It's a great, a great thing. And, and I know a, you are an accomplished author, and I enjoyed your book very much. you got a lot of energy, so, so go for it. Pete, short-term goal, three to five months. Um, I want to finish this school year on a very positive note. This has been one of my favorite years as a principal. Uh, one of the best things I did this year was attended a conference at Tan in Tannersville, and I took one thing back. Um, that's the reason why I come to work, and I've introduced this to about uh, 25 kids, maybe six staff, and I invite them in, and I share uh, why it is them that make me want to come to work. Nice. It's been a very powerful, very emotional at times, um, experience and, you know, people are so thankful to me and they're not recognizing that I'm the one that's benefiting the most. Uh, so I want to finish this year strongly. I want to pray for my daughter's success in softball in her sophomore year. Uh, my son is coming up, finishing his last semester as a high school student, and he's got a, a lot of opportunity ahead of him. So I hope he finishes strong and playing baseball and having fun. And then my little one, Anastasia, is an exceptional track athlete, and I want to see where her jumps take her. And uh, so a lot, of, a lot of really good things coming down the road. A good genes there. Long-term goal, three to five years. Um, Long-term goal for me is I, I'm thinking in, in the five- to seven-year window, I'm going to start to think about pulling away from this maybe. So I do want to continue to uphold uh, my responsibility, really just try to be the best principle and person that I can be for your child and your, your your son coming through and and any other kid that comes through um, I want them to feel the passion I want them to feel um, positive I want them to know they're loved and I want them all to have great success wow. he got a lot of passion this guy is the principal uh, at Delaware Valley Middle School here in Milford Pennsylvania we're having some music uh, <laughs> issues so we're not gonna have our fading out music. Uh, but this Pete Iapolo, Pete, you, you had mentioned the quote, uh, Dr. Judy Smith, about I love it. If you make every decision based on uh, the betterment of children, there's no way you can go wrong. Did you have any other favorites that you wanted to end this with? Here? Yeah, Will, William Blake, in my office, um, I have a picture of Michael Jordan. I referenced him as an influence in my life as a role model competitor. So I have the seven-foot wings poster. 
And the quote, I believe, is, no man can soar too high if he soars with his own wings. And I know in today's world, in order to get to those extreme heights, you need a group of people to help catapult you and thrust you up. I'm, I'm always going to take a chance with my heart yeah. and my passion yeah. to get me where I need to be. Very good. You did a great job, hey, man. Andrew, thanks yeah. so much for having me. Pete Iapolo, really you want to reach out? Delaware Valley School District. Uh, it was great. Thank you to your whole family thank and you, uh, Long Island that watched <laughs> Atlanta. You know, so thank uh, you. It was really good. Uh, and again, Pete, thanks for sharing and leading with your heart. Thanks for taking care of my kids uh, there at school and uh, you know doing good things at Delaware Valley. So my pleasure. No music. Sorry, can't dance. I everyone, can't dance. You know, I think that but, was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna shoot. Uh, tune out. I am at Andrew Murata 21 on Twitter. I'm going to talk to Pete about getting on Twitter here. Mm -hmm. um, but thank you so much for tuning in. Leave us a, po a positive comment and or a question for Pete, and uh, we'll be back to you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful evening. Bye-bye.